0: Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker. My name is Adele Grasav and this is RFI Group's data-backed podcast focused on key trends, thought leadership and best practice within the fast-growing and dynamic world of digital banking. This week's episode focuses on the financial needs of SMEs within the Australian market. I caught up with Kate Wilson from RFI Group who shares the data behind the current trends and the growth of alternative lenders within Australia. From a lender perspective, Sarah Hollandshead caught up with Bova Vitoli, the CEO of Prosper, to discuss the biggest pain points for Australian SMEs and how Prosper differ from other lenders. Today I'm joined by Kate Wilson, Research Director for Australia and New Zealand at our very own RFI Group. Kate, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: The SME market accounts for 97% of all businesses within Australia. And today we're going to discuss the financial needs for these SMEs and where the challenges and opportunities lie for lenders in the market. So kicking off, can you start by sharing some of the key trends that you're seeing in the Australian SME landscape?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of of key trends that we're seeing. One of them is definitely the rise of alternative lenders in the SME space. So we've seen alternative lenders in the SME market industry for a while now, and there's a number of different players in the market as well. But over the last couple of years, we've really seen awareness of these types of lenders growing. Mm -hmm. The likes of Prosper and Capify and and Moorah seeing fairly significant increases in terms of awareness recently. We haven't yet seen consideration and usage moving significantly, so it has increased over time but only increased slightly compared to um, the significant trend we're seeing in, in terms of awareness. But that'll be something to really watch in the future as well and whether or not SMEs do start turning to those alternative lenders more often. Okay. The other key trend we're we're seeing across banking in, in Australia in general at the moment, which, which obviously still affects the SME space, is really the Royal Commission as well. So Trust in traditional lenders, really changing in the market, both for consumers and for SMEs. We've actually seen in our data, comfort with SMEs borrowing from a traditional bank decreasing over, over 2018 as another interesting trend to what?
0: So it definitely seems like the alternative lenders are more at the forefront now than they have been in the past. So when it comes to the financial and lending needs of these organisations, what are the biggest pain points for SMEs in Australia? And has this shifted over the past few years?
1: Yeah, what we've seen really continuing to be a pain point for SMEs uh, over time, but also for SMEs of all different sizes, is that access to credit, which I think is where we're seeing alternative lenders taking advantage of of that sort of gap in the market uh, in terms of the challenge for SMEs Mm -hmm. to gain access to credit. It's a bigger pain point for smaller SMEs uh, and also for SMEs that are younger, so who've been operating for a short amount of time. Uh, But it is a pain point across the market as well.
0: Okay, so would you say that's the main reason that they're using them or considering them? Are there any other reasons?
1: Yeah, when we look at the reasons why SMEs would use an alternative lender, access to credit is really key. The other thing that they're really looking for is flexibility. So they need more flexibility in terms of their repayment options. They're looking for the ability to access a greater greater amount of credit than they would from a traditional lender as well. Mm. One of the other things that comes out in our data is the ability to supply extra documents in order to access more credit is, is a lot more important to those SME borrowers who've used an alternative lender before, as well as just being able to access that larger credit line. They also seem to be looking for greater customer service, um, which is actually another pain point we see across SMEs and in particular for, for newer SMEs uh, still feeling like their customer service perhaps is a bit lacking in terms of what they're getting from their banks. The mm-hmm. other interesting data point I saw this morning was when we look at proportion of businesses that think that their bank currently uh, gives them all the support that they need. Only 43% of businesses in Australia agree that they currently get all the support they need from their business banks. So I think there is that gap there as well in terms of banks actually giving SMEs support they need. And some of that support goes outside of banking as well. So a key challenge for SMEs in this market, but I suspect in other markets as well, is growth. Uh, So anything that banks can do to help SMEs sort of achieve their long-term growth goals, I think is important
0: as well. Mm. And when it comes to new players, we've seen in other parts of banking, when there are new players such as fintechs, there are some initial barriers for them. So when it comes to alternative lenders, what are the primary barriers for businesses using them? Is it because they're fairly new and it takes time to build trust or what's the sentiment around this?
1: Yeah, trust is definitely a key element of it. So, of businesses who haven't used an alternative lender, the perception that they're less trustworthy is one of the key barriers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other key barriers do tend to relate to pricing. So, they charge higher fees, um, they have less competitive rates. Alternative lenders will, of course, offer a higher rate than a traditional lender. So, that perception does persist as well. Mm -hmm. But even if we look at just awareness of alternative lenders, so... 57% 57% of SMEs are now aware of any alternative lender, which is a significant increase over the last couple of years. But that's still half of the market who haven't heard of a, an alternative lender before. And if you look at each specific brand, you only really see sort of at most 10 or, 10 or 11% awareness of, of any particular brand, which does suggest having that awareness and understanding of who you're dealing with can impact on consideration and usage. And is this
0: affecting switching?
1: Yeah, we are seeing switching intention increasing. I think probably not connected to alternative lenders so much. as just that sort of perception that traditional banks aren't completely meeting SME needs. We have seen switching increase quite significantly over the last couple of years. But when we look at the primary reasons for switching, better pricing and fees is really key. Helping me uh, to meet my business's long-term growth is key, but also just flexibility to help me to uh, flexibility in terms of meeting businesses' needs, access to greater credit or access to credit more quickly is sort of a secondary concern in terms of why SMEs are considering switching. And I think this is this is switching for a whole of bank relationships and rather than just switching to access credit, looking for a primary bank that's going to sort of meet some of those other needs as well.
0: We've seen a lot of news and lots of organisations offering PFM tools in the consumer market. So, when it comes to SMEs, how important is having a budgeting and cash management tool with their lending organisation?
1: I think it's something that will become more important in time um, as we see sort of more on offer in that space. I mean, in the consumer space, we've seen Uh, A number of PFM tools coming to the market recently, so the likes of PocketBook and Acorns now raise. In the SME space, we haven't seen as many sort of players in that market, I guess. But what we are Mm -hmm. starting to see more of is some of the the major banks offering SMEs additional tools and services to help them with things like cash flow or to give them greater insights into their business Mm -hmm. or into other businesses like them. So I, I know a couple of the major banks are starting to roll those out as digital platforms. That might be what we see more of, I think, in the next in the next couple of years. The other point as well is, of course, um, we'll see open banking in Australia in the next few years, which should mean that there'll be more of these sorts of tools in the market. I think what SMEs are looking for in terms of traditional help and service is one integration of other types of, of products. So integration for things like accounting software, inventory software, HR and payroll software. accounting software is of course something that SMEs are already starting to integrate and also starting to give over their business side to the likes of Zero in order to access some of those services or to integrate them, them better. Um, so we might see SMEs expecting that to a greater degree. But I also think that anything that's helping a business to manage their finances will be well received in the market. I think that stereotype of a time poor SME does hold true.
0: And on that time poor point, what is the importance of a holistic digital offering? So what extent would SMEs actually switch to obtain a better digital offering, something where they don't have to be going to branch, they can be considerably serviced in a digital environment?
1: Yeah, when we look at something like digital usage, we do see a higher Portion of SMEs now using digital to manage their business banking. So the majority of SMEs will use some form of digital banking at least once a week. At the same time, we're seeing a decrease in terms of proportion of SMEs that are visiting a branch in order to manage their business banking. So that same sort of shift that we're seeing in the consumer space in terms of to of digital really holding true for SMEs as well. It is also, of course, that opportunity to win SME business with a really good digital platform a platform that can integrate sort of multiple components into it, I think. And we do see a proportion of SMEs who said they would switch Mm -hmm. for a better digital banking platform, as we see with consumers as well.
0: So with all of this said, how can banks and alternative lenders better support the financial needs of SMEs? Where are you seeing the biggest opportunities lying here?
1: Yeah I think a lot of it has to do with going back to talking to SMEs about their entire business so rather than just trying to meet the banking needs of SMEs trying to sort of provide help for mm-hmm. them in terms of how does the business grow what can they learn from other SMEs what can they learn from other industries really providing that whole relationship I think the other thing is that SMEs depending on the industry that they're in and depending on their how long they've been operating depending on their turnover can all be very different um, so it's probably a a lot more difference in the market compared to perhaps consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, so really keeping in mind that you know one SME is going to be very different from another in terms of what they need, continuing to look at whether the products and services that have been offered to SMEs really do meet their needs if there's sort of an emerging area of the market where perhaps a, a more tailored product is relevant. And giving SMEs, I think, flexibility is really key as well. So flexibility in the products and services that they use, flexibility to access products and services and, and um, in lending in particular flexibility in how they um, use their lending products
0: as well. Wonderful. So it's clear to see where the opportunities lie there. So it will just be a matter of seeing how this plays out and how the, the banks and the non-banks, alternative lenders really approach this moving forward. So thank you so much for your time, Kate, and for sharing those insights with us on the podcast today.
1: Thanks Adele.
2: Sarah Hollinshead here with the Global Digital Banker and really pleased to be joined by Bo Batoli, CEO of Prosper today in Sydney. Thanks so much for being with us today, Bo.
3: Oh, it's great to be here.
2: So it's fantastic. Bo and I met three years ago now in Sydney when he was involved in one of our business banking conferences. And wow, what a difference in those three years uh, you've had in terms of growth from a customer perspective and a, and a lending perspective and as a team perspective. Tell me a little bit about that growth.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely great to connect again after a little period of time. But yeah, over the last three years, uh, we're probably close to 10 times the size of business we were uh, back in, in 2015. So um, we've got very, very broad reach now right across the Australian economy. We're, we've got customers in almost every state and territory across every industry. Customer volumes now up over 15,000. And the the team has grown very rapidly as well. When we, we last caught up, we probably had about 20 in the business. have now got just on 200. So, yeah, it's been a very rapid period of growth for us. And uh, we're now heading into our seventh year of operations. So it's been a, a wonderful uh, growth trajectory. And, and we still feel like there's a lot of growth yet ahead of us.
2: Mm, it's incredible. And I, we want to talk more about specifically the Prosper offering and, and what you're doing and what you've got coming up. But before we do, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what you're seeing in the lending landscape more broadly at the moment in this market and you know potentially even globally.
3: Yeah, sure. I think you know, lending is a, a category um, and, and as a product that has been around for a very, very long time, but it's only been really in the last sort of seven to 10 years that there's been a lot of innovation. Mm. I think in the, the commercial space, the small business uh, lending space, which is the area that we understand obviously very, very well. Uh, If I started the Australian economy, yeah, the Australian economy is very much a small business economy. Uh, They represent approximately 40% of GDP and roughly two thirds of of all employment. So they're a very important part of the economy. Mm. And one of the things that is held true for all businesses is that capital helps your business grow and and operate. And um, the the market has never really had great products to support small businesses and help them uh, achieve the, the ideas and bring their ideas to life. So um, I think over the last sort of seven years that we've been in in the market and been active, uh, we've seen a lot of evolution in a number of areas. I think uh, undoubtedly the product experience for customers uh, is very different today than it was yeah, say five or even ten years ago. Um, the amount of digital adoption from small businesses has increased dramatically. Uh, so when we entered the market, so around 2011 2012, uh, small business owners weren't really ready for a digital journey, whereas today they they very much are. Uh, we're also seeing very large capital inflows. So, um, again, when, when we sort of entered the Australian market, uh, there wasn't a lot of capital that was available uh, to innovative businesses such as Prosper and, and the likes. Um, there's definitely more capital now flowing, and that's a global trend. So we're seeing lots of capital flowing right around the world. Finally, is probably as customers become more aware of product options and they become more aware of alternatives, to the, in particular, to the banks, we're seeing definitely a lot more awareness and adoption of new products and more integration between product offerings. So, you know, five years ago, you were a customer who might have one product from an alternative finance products provider. Uh, today, you know, you could be a customer that has two or three or four, and they're actually integrated and talking to each other. Mm. So, we're seeing um, a lot of change on the the product side, on the the capital side, and on the product integration side.
2: Mm. I think integration is a massive issue that small businesses in particular had in terms of trying to consolidate everything that they have to run their business in a way that's digital as everything moves online. Are you seeing this as one of the biggest pain points that still remains? Have we achieved this yet? And are there any other pain points that you think are particularly still around that the industry could work on to address?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think for small business owners in general, there's so many different pain points they have. And it's actually quite unique even by vertical. So in certain industries, there are different pain points to other industries. We've spent a lot of time understanding those pain points, particularly that relate to working capital and and cash flow management of, of their businesses. Mm. And I think the, the trend that we've seen out of the last, say, five or so years has very much been see an individual pain point and see a company then build a, a solution for that pain point. The And that's okay, but that means that small business owners could end up with five, 10, 15 products that are actually using and they have a product for their banking they have a product for their accounting they have a product for their payroll they have a product for their um, order management then they have a product for their working capital so it's actually becoming but by trying to make it easier for small business owners we could actually be making it more difficult in some ways by having so many different products so we're definitely seeing trends quite recent it's in the last couple of years that that a lot of product manufacturers and these are all um, often technology led and and customer led organizations are actually looking at ways to make their their products integrate far more seamlessly into each other, and almost allow the customer to choose which products help them run their business. So I think as we see you know, a more open world, a more API connected world, um, small business owners will take advantage of these forms that are out there. And where we see um, growth opportunities you know, and in regards to Prosper is definitely in that working capital, cash flow management side of their business. Mm.
2: It is one of those where no one wants 1,000 apps on their phone that do a 1,000 different small tasks. That's right. Mm. It has got to that stage now in this app cultural world where people actually do just want to consolidate a little bit. Um, and you've raised a really good point there about open banking and open API. So obviously this year, real focus for the Australian market and there is that opportunity for more aggregated services when there is more successful data sharing in that way. So certainly lots of opportunities which are exciting. But I want to talk more specifically about Prosper. So how are you aiming to recreate, you know, this typical experience in business banking that has been around for so long?
3: Well, the the I suppose, starting proposition for us really came from being small business owners ourselves. Mm. The other founder and, and I, uh, Greg Michelle, this is our sixth business between us. So we've had a lot of experience being a, a small business owner and we understand how working capital and, and liquidity really help you grow and operate a business. So Um, I suppose our market research really was being a small business owner and and working with the existing system. And uh, we felt when we started the business that that system was broken, that it really hadn't solved the important pain points for a small business owner when it came to working capital. So we we decided to change that. We decided to create a product that was fast, that was simple, and and really flexible for small business owners. Um, We wanted to create a product that was a digital experience. So it wouldn't require uh, a small business owner walking into a branch of a bank, for example, wouldn't require Reams, reams of paperwork. We we live in this digital world where so much information is available uh, online. So why why couldn't we access that information to make a a better experience for the customer, but also make a more prudent lending decision for who we could approve uh, for finance? So um, it was quite an innovative take uh, at the time. And it's quite interesting that you know here we are sort of into our seventh year and, and those sort of foundational components of the experience and what we wanted to create haven't really shifted that much. Um, we still very much believe in, in a customer-led organisation. We very much believe in uh, ensuring that the digital journey is the, the primary path for a customer. And yeah, where we've really focused our efforts and energy um, has been in creating broader and, and wider access to capital. So um, we're focused on how do we reach more and more small business owners? How do we be a market leader and, and really um, try to set the standard for the, the whole industry and the way that we operate? Um, and also on the product diversification front, We've looked at what are the other requirements and needs that small business owners have and how do we develop products that support those needs. And uh, that's led to a a range of different pilot experimental products that we've got in market uh, in various forms at the moment. Mm. And no doubt they'll inform big investment decisions for us over coming years around our product strategy where we'll launch new products. Mm.
2: And there's sort of a question sometimes from the industry where – you know, alternative lenders, and I say that in quotation marks, as as your sort of companies like yourselves are becoming more and more the norm. But the alternative lenders are essentially providing cash flow opportunities to riskier businesses that the banks aren't interested in anyway. What is your what is your kind of comment to that?
3: Well, I think firstly, um, it's worth being aware that in any market. So, if we look at the Australian uh, small business community, there's around two million small businesses. Every market will have different types of credit risk. And at the largest institutional level or even at the global level, if you look at different nations, different nations carry a different credit risk as well. So if you lend money to the United States, that's going to have different risk than if you lend money to Argentina, for example. So the same thing and principles exist for small businesses. And what we've been able to do is build out a product that has a a rate and a product experience relevant to those different parts of the credit um, risk curve that's quite different to the way that a bank traditionally would look at at approving or or declining small business owners. Typically, it's black and white. It's yes and no. Either you meet the criteria or you don't. Mm. And unfortunately, that just doesn't work in the small business landscape. Small business owners are so diverse. There are so many different types and flavors, even within the same industry, um, that you can't just have a, a very simplistic way like that of looking at credit risk. I think the way that we we look at it might be a little bit different to yeah you know, just saying that we would look at, at riskier businesses. We actually try to look at whole credit spectrum and try to provide a, a product experience and a personalised rate that's relevant to the different uh, risk grades that we can lend across.
2: And having that flexibility and that personalization has obviously worked for you. I read that Prosper has an NPS of plus plus seventy-seven, which is really fantastic. So how do you continue to build on that advocacy and, and that satisfaction amongst your customers?
3: Uh, it's it's something that we're very proud of. In fact, the NPS uh, has been there, uh, those kind of levels for the better part of four years. In fact, as long as we've been measuring it. MPS is really an output. It's a... A measurement of how much effort you put into caring about your customer and their journey and their experience with your product and your brand so as a, a business we're very much a, a brand led business um, we've got a very clear culture and a very clear set of values and principles that we run the business and we, we believe in and, and operate by one of those values, in fact the number one value is customer obsession so we've always taken a, a view of putting the customer at the center of our decisions um, we've got a, an organisation, uh, as I mentioned, of around 200 people, and uh, we would have a disproportionate number of people that have actually been small business owners. So many of our people are actually our customer. And if they're not directly um, a small business owner or, or in the past have been a small business owner, uh, they have family members or close friends that are small business owners. So we have an organisation of, of people who have built a culture very much around understanding and empathising with who our customer is. And it's pretty powerful when you can create that type of, of feeling and culture. Um, it's where you do get tr- the truly best customer outcomes. So the, the MPS is wonderful and we're very proud to have it there. But even more important than that is actually the culture we have in the organisation and just how much care our people put into the small business owner and what they're going through.
2: Mm, it's certainly enviable, And I know it's what a lot of organisations are to looking to have and you certainly wouldn't have had the impressive growth that, that we've been watching for the last few years if that didn't truly exist so thanks so much for sharing the, those insights and you know if you continue on this path you'll be taking over the world in in 10 years time so we look <laughs> we forward to to watching yourselves continue to grow and thanks so much for the time Bo.
3: no no troubles at all it's a pleasure to have uh, been invited thank you once again
0: We hope you enjoyed the episode this week. For more content on the podcast, head to GlobalDigitalBanker.com. For updates on upcoming episodes, check us out on Twitter at GDB Podcast or LinkedIn under RFI Group. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at GDV Podcast at RFIGroup.com.